0: You are listening to the Technical SEO Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Tech SEO Podcast, which is hosted by myself, Kira Davidson, an SEO executive at SALT. This episode guest is Manuel, who is an SEO manager at Honcho. Uh, it's great having you on the podcast today uh how are you
0: yeah i'm okay and yeah you pronounced my name correctly so we got <laughs> <We're> there <laughs> so we got it uh yeah no i'm fine so given you know this situation the pandemic but it's been quite a hectic period for for me for the seo and yeah. also i am a father too and then i've got a new baby is three months old Oh, wow. which, which made my life a bit more challenging the last months, but, <laughs>
1: but yeah. I'm so if you've been working at home while you've just got a newborn as well.
0: Exactly, exactly. And trying to fix issues for clients and then you know <laughs> improving the performance, <laughs> cuddling my baby at the same time.
1: Yeah. Wow. Here's me worrying about um, my mum and dad getting home from work and making sure that they don't walk in on a call. But you've got a baby.
0: Exactly. Sometimes I had some calls with the baby, so making sure maybe he wasn't sc- screaming and
1: <laughs> actually he was enjoying
0: the call. So he was looking to my colleagues or clients, like, mining. mine yeah. <laughs> But yeah.
1: Starting yeah. them young, getting them listening already.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I can um, train them.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so, usually I find that everyone gets into SEO in all different routes. Um, so, you've been at Honcho for um, a good couple of months now, but how did you start out in the industry?
0: Yeah, well, it's a tricky question because essentially no one made it thing to, you know, start as an, an SEO and it just happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, I studied something completely, completely different. So, I studied robotics back oh, in wow. Italy. I'm from Italy, yeah. And essentially when we came here, so uh, I came here with my partner, we are both Italian and we came here something like uh, 12, 14 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we came here when there was a huge crisis and you really struggled to find a very specific job. Like I was trying to apply for engineering jobs, yeah. but really struggled. So essentially, I mean, I started doing like, you know, uh, catering jobs so a bit of everything yeah and then my partner she's a graphic designer and we looked our into the eyes and we said yeah let, let's try to work with ourselves yeah and then open our small agency so digital marketing agency uh covering everything so i mean again i study, i invented my career there because i mean i knew how to code uh with some specific uh, programming coding languages but nothing about websites or pretty much Nothing. So, yeah, I mean, we started from scratch and for eight successful years, we've been running our agency. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially from when you develop your first website, you've got clients asking you, you know, I mean, now I have the website, I want to be in first page. So (laughs) that's that's where you try to find any trick, any magic for, you know, for them to rank better. And yeah, so essentially starting... Ten years ago, it was maybe easier because Google at that point was more about, you know, you could still try with some black like hat techniques, yeah, and link parameters and link building, you know, strategies. And then, I mean, from there, it's, it's constantly being updated. Uh, but yeah, let's say, I mean, since I became a father, so I've been running my business, my little small agency, for eight years. Then I became a father, and then me and my partner were kind of struggling with clients mm-hmm. and. I Decided to set aside and focus more on SEO because, I mean, among all the things I was covering, I feel SEO is really uh, challenging, but it's also exciting when you, you know, yeah. you face a challenge, you fix you, you find the solution, and then you engage more with the clients. So,
1: yeah.
0: if you're successful, they love you. So, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so interesting. It's really good to hear that you had um, like your own agency um because I guess that gives you a completely different insight um c- like the commercial side of it you will 100% get because you've yeah. been in that position um yeah, yeah honestly makes?
0: exactly um I mean when I you know when I get back to the market so when I decided to uh, apply uh, as employed it was a bit I mean I really struggled at the beginning because your mindset is kind of different and you are used okay. to see things like on a 360 degrees perspective. Uh, I really struggle uh, struggle to see how processes were or how you have to approach your manager, for example. Yeah. Because to me, it was more about uh, providing results and answer to the question of the client. You know, yeah. You know. So, uh, yeah. But I guess I I was I am a kind of outsider, and then that's why maybe why I try to find the best solution for the client and maybe exploring new paths. In yeah. a way. um but yeah i mean i love to do it i love to focus on seo i love the agency side of things so
1: that's really yeah. exciting yeah. um so the reason why i've got you on this uh, podcast today is to talk about migrations
0: mm-hmm.
1: um when thinking back to when i first got into seo i didn't realize how um like all-encompassing migrations could be so you have like you could have uh, like um, real, like redesign migrations, uh, international migrations. Then, like the yeah. standard HTTP to HTTPS. I didn't realize there were so many different options. But yeah, one yeah. thing that each migration that I found is always different. So, is do you normally have? Uh, Do you use like a bespoke approach when approaching each one or do you have like some go-to things that you'd always do?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do have a go-to thing. So I've got like best practice and, you know, a checklist. But as you said, no migration is, uh, you know, uh, same. I mean, you don't find two migrations like the same. I mean, each migration is a unique challenge. And then that's why, I mean, you need to discuss with the client, you know, what's the target and, you know, budget, I mean, it's, it's, every time is different. So you have to um, tailor your strategy, your checklist based on what you discuss with the client, uh, what the platform is, what the scope is, because there are a lot of incognitors um, and things, you know, I mean, even given you, when you've got more time, you can also include more tasks. For example, you can audit the current side, then yeah. you can audit the aging side, then you can do a keyword research, for example when you've got a lower budget and then you have to do everything in like two weeks. So that's no time. So, you know, uh, it's very depends on the targets and budgets. And I usually, yeah, as you said, I mean, I usually start from my checklist, but then discuss with the client and essentially every checklist I do, every roadmap and plan I do for each migration is different.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I recently came across a migration where they were moving from like domains so it would be like the client site.de.fr um, and they were consolidating all of those into like the .com into folders and apparently yeah. they're so rare um, like someone told me I probably won't come across them for like another like five years.
0: Wow, I mean, I find it quite common, honestly, because, I mean, when you work, I work, yeah, I mean, I work on very big migrations, so I work Mm -hmm. for a company, which is huge, Um, and I was dealing with, like, 16 uh, websites for 16 different countries, and, yeah, I mean, on that, they were trying to consolidate each domain into one unique domain,
1: Yeah, and,
0: you know, they were considering the option of using subdomains or subfolders, so Mm -hmm. essentially, We discussed it with A-B tested and we found out it was better to use subfolder in the case. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: yeah, so yeah, it was a huge case study. And then essentially we were moving 16 country under one domain. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah, but each each, 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 uh, legacy domain used to have, you know, they were going to a subfolder Uh, in a different country, different language. Uh, Yeah, it was a nice project. I'm sure there was
1: lots
0: of curveballs in that. Yeah. Also, because with migration, where you are moving a lot of websites, you can also, you should also plan, you know, step by step. You cannot launch every site all in once. Yeah. So, for example, maybe you launch the first two sites, uh, which are minor countries, you know, less risk for them. And then after a month, so given time to test or whatever, after a month, you you launch other two, and then maybe four
1: so
0: and so on yeah
1: it's very interesting that yeah that's a good point i've never thought about like breaking down it into you know like chunking it to test that everything's gone okay and then if it has you can roll it out to the rest but that makes perfect sense um and it's interesting to see that you did some a b testing around the structuring of the urls um Mm -hmm. because when i've done it i found that clients have come to me and been like Oh, I really want to move from this structure to this structure like they've already decided it and often it's like there's no data to back up why they're choosing it.
0: Exactly really yeah yeah and also I mean we've discussed that because essentially they were using different teams uh, for different countries so for them it was kind of easier using a subfolder structure even for you know the authority flow yeah. But that depends on you. You can have the discussion with the developer team case by case. So sometimes subdomain is better. Mm-hmm. I do usually suggest and prefer subfolder just for you know the, the authority flow. Yeah. But case by case, you know, it's always different. So you have to check the, the requirements and specific case.
1: That's but, interesting.
0: Yeah. Also, another thing I was thinking because you mentioned at the beginning, you know, when you uh, talk about migrations. Uh, it's true. It's a, such a broad term. And, you know, uh, I started my career, I said, doing websites. So mm-hmm.
1: essentially,
0: at the beginning, I was doing migration all the time because I had clients asking me to move a WordPress website to, I don't know, Magento, for example.
1: Yeah. Or, or
0: uh, the other way around or using, I don't know, WordPress for the blog and then Magento for that. So I was doing migration all the time. But to me, at the beginning, migration was purely where you move uh, a database to another server, hosting, mm-hmm. uh, whether for SEO, so for professional, when you discuss migration, you know, it involves a bit of everything. So whatever you change on a side that can impact on performance and ranking and visibility, that's a migration. Yeah. So even, even the security protocol, so even if you're moving to HTTP, to HTTPS, that's a migration, which yeah. Is, yeah, which is kind of odd at the beginning, but, you know. It's a very broad term.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't think I realized how common they were. Because um, I was doing, uh, like you, I was doing like HTTP to HTTPS, and that just seemed normal. But then when I was put on, let's say, like large scale migrations from one CMS to the other, I was like, oh my God, I've never done a migration. I don't know what to do. Yeah. But you, yes. you do, you know, because you've done it all before, you just have to make changes.
0: Yeah, and then it's always, again, it's always different. So even stuff that maybe went so easy for a client, then for another client, because I don't know, maybe you've got two agencies involved in terms of development. Okay. So it happened to me, like I had to work with an agency that were after the front end of the site. And then there was another agency that were after the back end of the site. Wow. And then there was, yeah. And then there was in between, there was a client, but essentially one agency, so one, one developer agency was doing one thing and no one were newing, so yeah, so you yeah, know, man. when you do migration, when you support migration, you should be clear on what was going on, mm-hmm. but even internally, they didn't know, so it was, it was kind of a mess, uh, but yeah, so. Would,
1: would you say that um, that's a common occurrence in the fact that communication can be poor when doing migrations, for example, between the developers, the clients, and the SEOs?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would suggest that's one of the biggest pitfalls. So you must ensure you have a plan, first of all,
1: mm-hmm. because, you know,
0: successful migration, a lot of things can go wrong. So you, you must have a plan. The plan must be as clear as possible and digested by the yeah. client, also the developers, because, I mean, you know, you're always kind of clashing. That's our job, but you are always kind of clashing with the developers. Yeah. So the first thing I guess you should, you must ensure is you have a clear communication with the developers, they know your uh, roadmap and timing, and you both agree.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you know, if any change, if they change something, they must let you know. And if you if you spot something, you must tell them as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, you want to work as a team and not against each other to try and make it as successful as possible.
0: Exactly, in a in a nice way, because you know it's not about you know flagging or telling them you know oh, this cool. is wrong. It's about, you know, we are working together. So this is bad for the client. So let's try to support each other. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, so you mentioned before that depending on the budget, depends on what you would suggest for a client. Um, if given the choice, what would be your ideal scenario? Would you want to do like a tech audit before, uh, like continuous monitoring after? Um, have you ever thought about like the ideal scenario?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, of course, all the time, because I mean, I guess when you are pitching for migration, you just discuss the ideal scenario first, and then you go down to, you know, specifying what's needed for the client. So, yeah. I mean, ideal scenario, it's always, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, ideally, you know, when you face migration, the fewer changes you make to the website, the better, Which is mm-hmm. which is kind of odd, because now I'm saying something, and then I'm going to say the opposite. But, you know, literally, for example, if you don't need to change your because yeah. you might think you know you can change a, a, a structure of a website in order to better target some keywords for categories, but it's more the time that maybe search engine takes to recrawl the structure and maybe you know retrieve the ranking for those pages to rank better. Yeah. So, sometimes if you don't need to change your it URLs, it's best not to change it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So this is one approach, so really you should understand what, what the client is aiming to, what he's trying to achieve and suggest the best you know scenario for them. Uh, if they're planning to make changes because they are redesigning or maybe, I don't know, restructuring the blog, for example, yeah. then I would always suggest if you have time. So for example, if you've got three, four months before the migration, I would always suggest start with an audit, yep. so making sure your current site is spot on, not in the ring performance. So things like even, I don't know, H1, H2, h yeah. meta description, so all should be uh, sorted with the new site. So audit on the current site, then of course audit on the staging site. And in between, you should have that discussion with the developers in order to uh, maybe also improve the structure because you can do keyword search and then a bit mm-hmm. of taxonomy to better identify the sections. And then if you have time, you can do it. Uh, then I would suggest to you know, go and get the best shape for the website. Yeah. Uh, if the structure of the client is kind of, <laughs> I don't know, uh, the conversation with the developers is kind of lucky. They don't have a big budget. Then I would suggest technical audit on the staging side for sure. Just maybe avoid the one on the current side. Yeah. And, and keyword research, maybe you don't need that because you can do it after a bit of an, a bit of it uh, optimization after. Yeah. Uh, so I would say assessing how good the staging site is, and then redirects. So of course, I mean that's the, the thing you always do. So you, you want to map, uh, you know, legacy pages or yeah. external. And so that that's the first that's the thing you have to always do. And then that's for the pre-migration. Then, of course, you have to benchmark performance, uh, mm-hmm. making sure all the tracking is in place. And then, yeah, that, that's all, I guess, from the pre-migrations. Yep. And, and on the launch day, so, you know, you have to make sure, first, first of all, benchmarking. So you have to see what's going on. You have to also check, you know, sitemap, robots.txt. So are the search engines able to crawl the pages and the top priority pages? Um, if you see any issue in the Robot60 file or any section that are not correctly crawled or indexed, flag it straight away. Mm-hmm. And then also use specific tools to flag new pages to Google or change the address, for example. Uh, if you can control it, also change uh, external links uh, referring to the new domain, if it's a domain change,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then back any, any issue. So try to quickly crawl on the same day and spot any any issues. But then I would suggest maybe wait 24 hours for a proper crawl for yeah. issues. And then after that, you know, uh, wait maybe a week or two at least uh, to spot any uh, issues in Google uh, Search Console, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, start monitoring, you know, performance. And then after a month, you know, just check everything, uh, check performance, check the issues, and then flag to the client. Yeah. So One thing yeah.
1: that Came to my mind though. It's not something that I've personally done, but I was wondering, um, do you know, once like the migration's happened, you've checked it after the first week, it's going well, um, and everything sort of has settled. It's there's no major fluctuations, there's nothing horrendous that's gone on. Um, mm-hmm. would you, if you have budget, would you want to have a look at the server logs to see how like search engines are interacting with the site to make yes. sure like the new URLs are being discovered, for example.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, in my my roadmap, again, I I always suggest to do the log file analysis after a month, at least.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So so for sure, because that's the best way to, you know, double check how physically search engines are assessing and reading your website. So fair enough, you can crawl, uh, you can check, you know, uh, search console or other tools you're using, uh, I don't know, hrefs, for example, for backlinks and stuff. I believe log file analysis give you a better understanding of how actually and physically search engines are reading your website and also you can spot further opportunities to improve. So maybe, as you said, if after a month the performance is good, ranking is good, and they maybe drop 5% or maybe they increase the traffic because it may happen, um, from the log file analysis, maybe you can suggest some optimization too uh, to the site structure. So maybe, maybe you see, you know, uh, search engine crawler going to the wrong place. You didn't spot before, so you can tell them, or maybe you can see, I don't know, um, a server using too much resources because of index brought or, you know, too many pages yeah. being old. So you can tell to the client to optimize. So always, yeah, I always include the log file analysis, uh, um,
1: that makes a lot of sense because I'm guessing sometimes, you might discover like bot traps where like it's just getting stuck in like a loop. Um, so it means that like crawl budget is being wasted, especially for like super large e-commerce sites, that wouldn't be ideal. Um, and you can resolve that, which may help organic performance as well. Um, and that'd be obviously at that time you're wanting to show results to the client. Um, so that'd be, yeah, it makes a lot of sense as to why you do it. Um, I don't know why I've never thought
0: about it before, but it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for example, I mean, I work on um, some clients. so Essentially, for them, um, I mean, etanche. We focus on automotive, for example. And when you work for automatic website, you know, especially when you deal with used cars, yeah, uh, you don't want you you might not want search engines to crawl all the used car pages because they change so often. So essentially, you waste crawl budget for search engines, so it's no use, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might want to index crawl and index some of them, but not all of them. So I mean, after migration, you know, uh, I mean, in general, log final analysis can provide you better insight of where, which section, you know, um, search engine crawlers are within the website. And maybe you find out a lot of use card pages are being indexed, mm-hmm. and then, you better, you can better optimize a robotics file, or maybe place our meta robots no index, for example. So yeah. This, but even as you said, I mean, uh, even bot traps, so facet navigation, pagination, sometimes, So, you know. So in those cases, yeah, the log file analysis is really, really
1: uh, useful. Mm, Especially I can imagine for like an automotive site, like I'm thinking of Auto Trader in my head and, you know, on the sidebar, you've got so many different variables that you can select. And I can imagine that would just be a nightmare if it was implemented incorrectly.
0: Yeah, you've got brand, you've got price, of course, but you've got mileage, you've got a lot of things.
1: Mm. um, so we briefly touched upon uh, how if communication's not there, it could be an issue. Do you have any other sort of like um, top things that can be problematic, whether it's on the implementation or things that you really need to think about when it comes to the implementation?
0: Yeah, I, I think this is more in general, not only for migration, but, you know, as soon as you approach a new project, new client. So... Uh, the technical capabilities so the development capabilities of the client is something you should have clear your mind uh, for migration you know I mean even if you provide for example we, we were discussing about timing and budget yeah. but if you know uh, the client has very limited capabilities in terms of development uh, so maybe maybe you don't help them if you perform a very in-depth audit taking you know four days, five days, and then you provide them with a lot of recommendation and actions because they, they won't do it simply. They, they don't have capability to do that. Yeah. So, and even when facing migrations, so for example, if it's a huge site, but they don't have a time or they don't have resource in the server to upload, I don't know, 50,000 redirects at once. So, it's you point- know, I mean, it's pointless. I mean, you can take a week to work on the redirects, but when you provide them, it's impossible they can implement that we struggle. Yeah. So I guess, you know, as soon as you approach a new project, you you have to have that conversation with the client. So making sure, I don't know, how big is the development team? Uh, what's the budget? What's the timing? What's your target? And yeah, because, yeah, because every migration is different.
1: <laughs> mm. um, we've I've had lots of discussions with other teams uh, when it comes to launch dates. Do you have a preference on days that you'd push your migration live?
0: Uh, it depends on the client, because usually, you know, best recommendation is using launching a new site is, uh, in a quiet, quieter time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it depends on the client. So if you have a business uh, which is highly seasonal, and usually, I don't know, maybe in the weekends, uh, you've got very little traffic. Yeah. Uh, so it's best to maybe, you know, plan the migration, I don't know, Saturday night. So usually, I mean, usually we perform migration the night, but you might have clients for which the seasonality is very different. So maybe uh, I used to work with big clients for which, you know, the high season was like December. Yeah. So maybe it was a high risk planning a migration in, you know, March, for example. So it depends, but you can easily check, you know, the, the traffic and the seasonality and discuss with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's interesting because when I've thought about um, like go live dates, yes, I've taken in seasonality because I'd hate, to, for example, if they were December was their peak, I'd hate to do it in November because yeah. in case anything went horrendously wrong. But I've also, when I've thought about it as well, I've also gone from the standpoint I'd usually avoid doing a migration, maybe let's say on a Friday or a Thursday. Um, Because if Google, like, crawls over the weekend and for whatever reason, something's gone wrong and we don't get back in the office till Monday, we've got to investigate it and try and resolve it. And obviously, the sooner you catch things, the better.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we're planning, you know, migration for the client, we go off um, extra resources. So we do work in the night, we do work in the weekend or we place, you know, we use specific tools to monitor downtime, yeah. you know, this kind of thing. So uh we we monitor, <laughs> you know, even if it's out of hours for you know this kind yeah. of but, but you're right. You're right. Usually yeah and again I mean it depends on the client because maybe you've got a business which is usually very busy in the weekends. Mm-hmm. So um yeah and maybe you see a quieter time for them it's like I don't know Wednesday morning. It's yeah. there. So so yeah. It depends. Yeah, usually you suggest doing this, I don't know, usually I suggest like Friday night, Saturday night, but because we can monitor. But yeah, it yeah, depends on, on the type of business too.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there's tools like Content King, which will like alert you uh, if anything's gone horrendously wrong. And you can make like different dashboards as well to monitor yeah. how like the pages being indexed or if something's like there's a significant alert that it needs uh, looking at or something like that. So that's a good point, yeah, there's always monitoring to pick upon issues. Yes.
0: Even on analytics, you can set, you know, alerts or you can build a Data Studio dashboard with alerts just to yeah. fly. So, yeah.
1: Um, so have you ever um, come across any really, have you basically, the, the client's done a migration, it's gone wrong, have you then been left to deal with it?
0: Uh, I mean, not personally, but it happened, uh, I mean, once uh, immigration went horribly wrong, so they mm-hmm. lost a lot of traffic, but it wasn't with us, it was with a previous agency. Yeah. So I'm quite lucky because you're in a better position to, to blame them. And then also, you know, because you already know what went wrong, kind of, yeah. then you can just work on fixing or be aware of, you know, the yeah. wrong um, no, it never happened to me, but I did struggle once with a client because essentially, yeah, uh, I quickly mentioned before, but essentially because there were different, different agencies involved. So essentially, I was working on my redirect 301 redirect map mm-hmm. pretty much every day. It was before Christmas, Christmas which was peak time with them. But essentially, each time me and uh, the agency that was after the back-end were kind of fixing issues, the other agency was changing URLs and stuff without us knowing. So, oh, so that's why, and all of us on my side, on the backend agency side, and even the client, we were all wondering what's going on because we are doing the right stuff. But it's because the other agency was changing stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. So you've your redirects, then you've noticed the URLs have changed, then you've got to redo them. Exactly.
0: exactly. Wow. That was, uh, the, yeah, it was pretty much. A week before christmas and even on christmas day <laughs> it was horrible and then i was working i was remapping everything likely not manually because i'm using a tool yeah. i'm using like five, a cup which you know can help you in the spin gap but mm. but yeah it was a nightmare because the client was panicking it was trying trusting us but because it was before christmas and you know the situation uh, they were spending a lot of money uh, we were very close to the launch date Uh, it's been a nightmare so literally they were calling me because at that time i was working in london but our headquarters were in leeds so i was even traveling from london to leeds but i was having you know conversation with the client on the train and trying to fix stuff like while traveling was a nightmare yeah
1: (laughs) that that would have been a a, a least favorable kind of experience i imagine
0: yeah exciting because you know you you kind of gain the trust with the client are still in contact with the client
1: oh that's Uh, really good yeah yeah. and I guess you'll have learned a hell of a lot from that and you'll have changed things in the way that you work to ensure that is never repeated again
0: exactly exactly I guess when you face the worst then you are prepared you know (laughs) you go to the next (laughs) level (laughs) yeah
1: they can only get better from there I um, had another question, um, it was, um, oh man it's just gone from my head, um, <laughs> it was, um, I really can't remember, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> um, so after you've done the migration, you've done the tech audit, you'll have checked um, analytics search console, I'm guessing you'll have checked keyword rankings, um, would you also look at like uh, measure visibility to see how the market shares gone? Um, yeah. Would you have a look at as well, the see if there's been any changes to like backlink profile? Um,
0: yeah, uh, again, I mean, it relies on what, what the target have, but let's say in the, the broader, the, you know, the DLK when you've got the budget and you've got the timing. Yes, I would do that. So essentially for each migration, I will try to have data from each available sources mm-hmm. because you know a lot can happen and a lot can go wrong and even so sometimes you've got current redirects in place that you don't even know so yeah. best to ask to the developers, you know have you got something in place already uh, have you removed pages in the past uh, but they might not even know because even even the developer agency essentially if they change stuff three years ago and yeah. they're being hired like. One year ago, you know, uh, they made the changes before them on board. So they might not even know. So that's why I would try to gather, not trust one source, uh, but use as many sources as possible. So, for example, I personally, even when they tell me, you know, we uh, discontinued some pages, remove these products, I kind of never trust. I would always check, for example, analytics. Mm -hmm. They used to receive traffic and then... Crawl them to see if you know the response code is okay or broken. Then yeah, then double check. For example, link uh, external backlinks. Yeah. So sometimes if I have time, if I have a budget, but I would ex- export from hrefs. Mm-hmm. So historic backlinks and see, you know, if they're going to um, discontinue pages.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As, I mean, if you can address it, you know, it's kind of a quick win, because in post migration, if you can retrieve the traffic. Even if they're broken, but if you can retrieve the traffic, it's a quick win. So we yeah. see a in traffic. So, so yeah, that yeah. makes
1: I do. sense. Yeah. Um, I guess to wrap things up, what would you be your five top tips for someone? Um, when it when it comes to migrating of any kind.
0: Um, I would say always maybe the the the, the top one is like hope for the best, but <laughs> expect the worst, which is yeah. the classical. know it's what it's like when you study. i mean at university you know i always perform better and my maximum when i was expecting the worst when i feel too much confident it's where you know things go bad so yeah i guess my first recommendation is yeah i mean hope for the best because you know but then work for the worst
1: be prepared at least so it's not a shock
0: exactly and then never be too confident because try to plan everything but never be too confident. The client understands. The developer understands. I mean, try to discuss everything and mm-hmm. ensure everyone is on the same page. And the communication: if they change something, if you change something, if the client is pushing back something, you know, let's make sure you know everyone knows. And yeah, and, yeah, and, and let's try to stick to the de- to the yeah deadlines as much as possible. It never happens yeah. because yeah. with migration. Always always, always, back. Yeah, yeah, but let's try at least to to have a conversation, and then try to plan, as said, um, in a clever way, so you don't need to plan like big audit if you know the developers are struggling. So try to work for the client to improve, you know, performance mm-hmm. or at least to avoid issues in the migration. And how many I counted is like three, four.
1: I think we're at four. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so uh, I'd say, yeah, try to to gather data from as many sources as possible and never trust one source. So try to always be a bit critic, not really rely or trust, you know, the data people give you, but try to double check always and from different sources.
1: That's a really good one, because a lot of the time people rely upon one source and that source might not always be correct or it might be delayed um it that is a really good point to make
0: yeah especially if the source is coming from the client so essentially if you are supporting them but you ask the developer to provide you something which is wrong then you can't really blame them because it's your fault to not double check for example yeah Uh, so it happens with immigration uh i I was helping I wasn't working the migration, but some, you know, it happened that a colleague asked for, for example, discontinued products. And the developer provided a list of discontinued products, but it was like one-third of the, you know, all wow, stock okay. Yeah, but you can't really blame them because you should check.
1: Yeah, uh, they were just doing what they thought
0: was right. they don't know, they don't know, because maybe, again, maybe them be hired one month ago, two months ago, a year ago, the client the the, the client himself doesn't know maybe yeah so you
1: know no they're they're really good tips um and i'll definitely keep them in mind when i'll be approaching my next migration so i really (laughs) appreciate that thank you Um, thank you so much for joining me as a guest today on this podcast uh it's been really good to talk about migrations and you've left me uh with lots of different things to think about when it comes to approaching them in future
0: Okay, yeah, feel free to write me or, you know, contact me if you have any more questions.
1: it's <laughs> gone well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We briefly discussed before, uh, you know, the, the, the recording, but I guess, you know, SEO migration are very exciting because uh, they, they, they give you the opportunities of test your knowledge uh, mm. on everything, you know, on SEO. It's not just about technical, it's not just about content or... Uh, your key, for example it's also about backlink so it's it's all together and then
1: every pillar of seo is almost covered okay. in every migration
0: so it's really test your knowledge and you know you face the challenge if it's successful it's exciting if it's not yeah. successful then you have to keep doing it but you always learn so it's, it's nice
1: yeah that's a good point yeah like even if it even if it has gone wrong there's so much that you can take away from it that can be turned into positives um so yeah that's really good point to make as well thank you
0: Mm -hmm. no problem
1: um thanks very much for joining me um i'll let you know how they go
0: okay thank you yeah it's been nice to have a chat with you and exciting so i hope it's helpful (laughs) thank
1: you it has been really helpful
0: okay